0: Hello, good evening, and as always, welcome to another edition of the Ebon Zone. I'm your hilariously humble host, Ethan Page Rivers. It's wonderful to be here with you tonight, folks, and I'm excited to bring you another episode. For me, this is a special episode. Some of you might not be as particularly and undeniably excited as I myself am about this one because opening night was last Saturday. Opening night of college football season. Like I said, some of you might not know, some of you might not even care. But I'm just glad you're here. What some of you are probably thinking, Ethan, why are you talking about football this week? It's simple. Opening night. I am a huge fan of the Crimson Tide, as most of you probably know. They faced Louisville last Saturday and absolutely mopped the floor with them. 51-14. to And now as excited as I am about the first win... I, I'm i not here to brag. I'm here to break down Coach Saban's quarterback dilemma as best I can. Now, first things first. Who are they? Who are these guys? Why should I care? Before we go too deep down into the rabbit hole, I've got to fill in a few cracks in the narrative, so just hang with me for a bit. This sort of thing happens a lot at the Crimson Tide camp. You hear about it very, very frequently. It happened with Sims and Coker. You're hearing about it now with Tua and Jalen. It just gets... Out of hand a lot of times, and that causes a lot of speculation in the media and leaves a lot of fans on the edge of their seats. But this year in 2018, Saban seems to have a good plan. He's narrowed it down between two guys that are really, really good, Tua Tunga-Vailoa and Jalen Hurts. And now, once again, the question presents itself... Who exactly are these guys? Out of the coin, you've got Jalen Hurts, a junior from Channelview, Texas. And he's been Saban's key weapon on the offensive side since 2016. That's a pretty good run. But his key receiver on almost any play since then has been Calvin Ridley. But we'll get to him a bit he's later. He's thrown for a total of 394 completions, adding up to a total of 40 touchdowns, 4,861 yards, and 10 interceptions. Nine of those in his freshman effort at Bear Bryant Stadium. That's pretty good. That is that's pretty solid. I will pretty me. great under Center. He's got three years under his belt, a really good coach behind him, training him in every aspect of the game of football. And I mean, Who wouldn't want to watch this guy? He's really, really good. He's got a good dynamic going. He had a good dynamic going with Calvin Ridley, but I said we'll get to him a bit later, so that's not my main concern right now. As it may, I do believe that this year the competition at quarterback for Alabama will be a lot tighter because... Of one man whose last second attempted a pass in last year's championship game put him on every fan's radar, including wow. Tagavayaloa, a sophomore from Ewell Beach, Hawaii. You might remember him from the rubber match episode. I talked a lot about him in that episode, and that was that was the night that I talked about the championship game. And I was I was really hype about that. I still am. It it is still An amazing turnout. If it wasn't for him, I don't know if we would. Into his stats column now, he threw for 61 completions, totaling for 863 yards, 13 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. That's, That's pretty solid. Pretty solid for a sophomore that doesn't have too much game experience. I originally had it in my head start Jalen. He's clearly the better choice. He's got more experience. But at this point, I'm not exactly sure after seeing last week's showing. going to turn out to be the knight in shining armor once again that we all thought he was in years. I also originally said, Tua doesn't have as much experience. Just give him time with Saban's top staff as trainers and he'll get better. But I was wrong. Last Saturday, the dude put in that work. He was was great. Tua showed he's clearly better than a lot of people thought he was and changed people's opinion of him, especially mine. I thought that once he got a few more years under his belt of training, he would be a good alternative to Jalen once Jalen leaves for the NFL, if at all possible. The question still remains, will Jalen, now that he knows that Tua's put everybody on notice and shows everyone in the audience and the fan base that he's clearly better than everyone thought he was, will he transfer to another school and give Saban no choice for his starter under center, much to the same fate of Jake Coker's backup, Blake Barnett, in 2015? In, In regards to that, I do believe it's possible. I'm not an expert on this, but I do believe it's possible. It happened once. It could happen again from history or you're doomed to repeat it. I do believe that saying plays much of a factor in this situation that presents itself before the Crimson Tide coaching staff. Respected Jalen. I believe he's a great quarterback, but after last weekend, I'm convinced it's Tua's time to shine. And now to the issue of Calvin Ridley. Plain and simple. He's in the NFL now. Good for him. But the question remains, what will Saban do to replace him? Well, obviously you can't replace him, but the task now, I believe, is finding someone just as good at White Aff. If my calculations are correct, I believe Saban has found his golden boy once again in Jerry Judy. All I'm going to say about him is it wouldn't surprise me if he was a Heisman candidate this season. And that's what leads me to believe the Tua-Judy combination is the new Jalen Ridley, the new force to be reckoned with, Gridiron Tandem, that could lead the tide to a championship. As far as anything else this season, only time will tell. I guess I'll have to just watch this. This week I want to continue a new tradition. I try to offer a good Christian podcast, so I thought I would begin sharing a new Bible verse each week. This week I would like to share a verse from the book Romans of Romans chapter 12, verse 12 reads, Rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Let's look at the first three words, rejoicing in hope. This implies that the Christian life is supposed to be a joyful one because it is hopeful. One commentary highlights that joy is not only an emotion, but also a Christian duty. And that is the way God desires for us to live our life as joyous people, as joyous Christians. And if we are not joyful, We are not fulfilling our Christian duty. second part of this verse, it's meant to say that life is meant to be patient if that joy is in your heart that God wants us to experience. The last part of this verse is meant to symbolize that our lives will be hopeful, joyful, and patient if our prayer life is kept up in good standing. This week I'm going to try something different. I thought since it's football season, and I know I'm really excited for that, that I would take the five most anticipated games of the next week and give my opinions on who I think will win. First up, we've got Georgia and South Carolina. I think I'm going to have to go with Georgia on this one, if I'm being honest. Quarterback Jake Fromm will be a huge factor in this game, I do believe, as well as their coach, Kirby Smart. I know he's really good. He was the offensive coordinator at Alabama for a few years before taking the head coaching job at Georgia because they needed someone new. And I think that under Kirby Smart's tutelage, Fromm has done really well, and I think that will also be a factor, the form factor of him gelling with the team will lead to a victory. Now we've got Portland and Oregon. I'm going to have to go with Oregon, the obvious choice on this one, because if there's anything you can bet on in any college football season, it's that Oregon will dominate the Pac-12. It's simple as that. Alright, up next, we've got TCU and SMU. TCU is really good. They've been really solid in the past few years, and I don't think they're showing any signs of slowing down. So I've got the Horned Frogs winning big. next, we've got Alabama and Arkansas State. This one's obvious. I've got the Tide winning by at least three touchdowns. And in the last prediction of the night, Clemson and Texas A&M, I'm going to have to go with Clemson on this. The simple reason for that is out of everyone in the ACC, I do believe Clemson's going to be the most dominant at football because Dabo Sweeney is a genius of a coach and I do believe that his play-calling prowess will lead to a victory. That's really all I've got to say for this week, so I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you next Friday. Let's roll the outro. And with that being said, thank you guys for once again being here tonight and joining me for another episode. Follow the Podcast on Instagram, at Ebonzone Official as well as on Twitter, at OfficialEBZ. That's capital O and official, capital E-B-Z, in case you were wondering. And until next time, God bless us and save us. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I'll see you soon.